Good story, yeah? So be expected. If you gave towards Heart for the House, aren't you glad Maddie had her nails done for that clip? I am. Um, if you gave for Heart to the House, be expectant, hey, that God will move in something that you've been believing for. Is that good? Okay, if you've got your Bibles with you, you know, open your Bibles to John 5, verses 1 to 9. John 5, verses 1 to 9. Or you can follow on the screen. So this is the story. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been there an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. This day on which this took place was the Sabbath. So this is a story of a man who has been lame, so lying on a mat in this place called Bethesda, which has got five colonnades, so a structure over this pool. And, and folklore at the time had it that at a certain time, the waters would be stirred. Some thought it was an angel's wings that were stirring at others, thought other things. But basically, the waters would be stirred every now and again. And all these um, crippled, lame, blind, all these disabled people had gathered around that place in the hope that if they could be there on the spot when the water was stirred and they could somehow get in first, that they would be healed, that their issue would be healed. And realistically, it was a spring, I believe, underneath the, um, underneath the pool that sometimes would overflow and bring this, this water up. But this is what they had pinned their hopes on. So we've got a structure over a pool where this version says a great number of people. Other versions say hundreds or a multitude. So there are a lot of people there, right? A lot. Lots and lots. Lying and waiting for the right moment. The right moment. When the water is stirred in, in this vain hope that maybe they'd be in and they'd be the first to be healed. So anyway, I bought my mat because they were lying on mats. See, this is my mat. Do you like my mat? It's pretty cute, hey? Okay, so this is my mat. So basically, they're lying on the ground by the pool on their mat. Here we go. Lots of people told me they were tired today. Do you feel like tired? So they're lying on the ground on their mat, not quite close enough to the pool to get in. Now, they're lame, they're paralyzed, they're blind. I'm not sure if there was a noise that accompanied the water stirring or not. But basically, they're lying there just close enough to the pool, hopeful that potentially their time will come and they'll somehow be able to roll or something or someone will help them to get into the pool so that their issues might be gone, right? Right. Oh, look at that. I got back up again. That's awesome. Can you imagine what it would have been like? It's a pretty sort of dismal sort of scene, isn't it? But, you know, I look at us and I look at church life and I think, how are we different? Some of us come Sunday after Sunday and we're standing with an issue. We're standing with something that 
paralyzes us. We're standing with an issue that makes us lame. We're standing with an issue that potentially makes us blind. Hoping that somehow Jesus will touch us and we'll be made whole. We'll be made free. Thinking it would be great, but it's probably not going to happen. And I'd have to say this man, after 38 years, was hopeful But his experience would have told him that after 38 years, it was potentially doubtful. So we come and we participate like these people did. We sing, we listen, but we leave with our issues. And in that passage of scripture, it says, within the five covered covered colonnades, there were the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. So they were all categorized by their issue. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. There's an old saying, misery loves company. Have you ever heard that? Misery loves company. People tend to gather around their issue. And it's interesting as I thought about this, but I I thought about in this particular story, they gathered around a pool. And then I thought about these days, you know, we're more inclined to gather around a hashtag, you know, brokenhearted, so sick, depressed, sad face. And we begin to lose who we are and our identity to our issue. Hashtag brokenhearted, not so brokenhearted. Hashtag so sick. I'm so sick. Hashtag depressed. And we lose our identity to our issue. So Jesus walks into this. I love this. He walks into this. Now, we've already established that there were hundreds of people, a multitude, it says. So he picks out this one man who's been there for 38 years. So I don't think this man was in the doorway. Maybe he was. But Jesus kind of stepped over people, went around people, and found the one. And you know, that's what I love about Jesus. There can be a great crowd, but he'll always find the one. He's always aware of the one. The crowd never, the need never paralyzes him. He knows just where you are. And he came to one man. A man who'd been lying there for 38 years. That's almost four decades of his life. Some of you can't imagine that. And we don't know how old he is. But we know he's been there for 38 years. But imagine if he started to be brought there by his parents when he was young. Maybe they came with him. Maybe they sat on the mat with him. Maybe they hoped that one day he'd be healed. But here he is, 38 years later, finding himself surrounded by multitudes of sick people. And sometimes, if we surround ourselves by, with those people who have the same issues as us, you know, we tend to get together, the brokenhearted get together, you know, we talk about how brokenhearted we are. The depressed get together and they get more depressed. You know, we tend, we can hang around with people like that because we feel comfortable. We can blend in if we're around people who have the same issues as us. And we can create a culture that's unhealthy or toxic and it can actually be more damaging than the issue itself because we never look to get out of it because we're happy in this little circle of us four and no more that are depressed and and sick and, and sad. And we begin to identify as our issue. But can I say to you tonight, you are not your issue. You are not your issue. Scripture is full of people. We don't know their name, but they are identified by their issue. So we have the woman with the issue of blood. That's all we know her as. The woman as, with the issue of blood 
in Luke chapter 9, John chapter 4, we find the Samaritan woman who had all sorts of relational issues, but we don't actually know her name, but we know she's the Samaritan woman. We've got the man born blind in um, John chapter 9. We don't know his name, but we know his issue. And there are so many others, and we know, don't know their name, but we know their issues. And the thing with issues is that I've noticed in my own life and in other people is that sometimes we'd rather that our issues are accepted, but we don't really want to change them. You know, we live in a society that is all about acceptance and tolerance. And so what happens is we accept and we tolerate and we say that's okay, but it removes the responsibility on us to actually want to change our issue, to address our issue, to grow through our issue, to be healed of our issue. We'd rather be affirmed but not changed. It's okay. You just do you. You're a sad thing and no one wants to hang around with you, but you just do you. We'd rather be comforted but not changed. And then rather than embracing their identity in Christ, they're embracing their identity in their issue, but you are not your issue. You weren't created to be your issue. I want to tell you tonight what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are not your issue. You are not what happened to you. You are a son or a daughter of the King of Kings, the Almighty God, the Lord of Lords. You are a son and daughter of the King. You're not your issue. But you can leave tonight and still be defined by your issue. It's your choice. But I'd encourage you tonight to leave defined by your identity in Christ. We're living in a culture that loves to identify people by their issues. Group them. And if we, the church, don't walk in the fullness and the strength of who God's created us to be, what hope is there for a lost and dying world? If we're not willing to get healed and whole from our issues, if we don't access the power that we have, the identity that we have in Jesus and walk in that fullness and that knowledge of who we are, what hope is there for a lost and dying world? We need to know who we are in Christ. You're not your issue. You're not what happened to you. You're not your biggest failure. You're not your biggest mistake. You're not what anyone else has said about you. That's not who you are. You are what God says about you. You are who God says you are. You are created in the image of an almighty God, and no matter what has happened to you, you can walk in the fullness of that. That doesn't change. That's who you were created to be. So Jesus comes to this one man and asks him this question. So the man's been there 38 years. He's obviously lame on his mat. And does Jesus say, I've come to heal you? No, Jesus asks him a question. He says, Do you want to get well? The guy's been lying there for 38 years hoping that someone would roll him into the water and he could get there first. Can you imagine what he's thinking? So, now really, Jesus? Not very sensitive, is it, really? Not very sensitive? He could have been a bit more compassionate. It's a bit blunt, really, isn't it? He could have 
Hop down on the mat beside the man, you know. How you going, mate? Notice you're on your mat. Want to tell me your story? Oh, it's a nice mat, isn't it? Comfortable enough for you? Do you need me to get you another one? I mean, you've been lying here for a while. Could do with a thicker mattress. You know, you comfy? So nice. Nice mat. Do you like the colour? Well, get your blue one if you want one. You know, I'm just, just going to sit here with you and talk about your issues. And, um, yeah, just empathise with you and make you feel good about where you're at in life. Just going to lie down beside you, give you a little snuggle, pat you on the back and say, it's all right, we've all got issues. It's a bit insensitive, really, isn't he? You know, if I was Jesus, I'd probably go lie on the mat with him, pat his little back. That's probably what we think a compassionate saviour would do. How dare he demand that the guy, ask the guy if he wants to be healed? Seriously, it's a bit insensitive, really. Wouldn't we rather sometimes Jesus just comes alongside, gives us a bit of a stroke on the back, pat on the back, understand, feel sorry for us. You know, I've said to my husband at times when I've been cranky or upset, I don't want your advice. I just want your sympathy. Just feel sorry for me. So what I'm saying is I don't want to change. I don't want help. I just want to dwell in this moment. (sighs) Jesus found him on the mat. He'll always come out of his way to find you on the mat. He'll always come out. Jesus understands what got you on the mat. He knows why you're there. But Jesus doesn't say, I died on the cross and came back so that we could all lay on our mats together. That's why I came. It was all worth it. I defeated hell and death, got the keys, came back. So let's just lie on our mats and sing some nice Hillsong songs about what I did. Let's sing about the resurrection power of Jesus while we lie on our mat in our issues. How about we just lie here and talk about it? Let's just talk about what got us on the mat so I can understand you. And then 38 years later, be still talking about what got us on the mat. Let's just blame the mat. I mean, someone's got to be to blame. But Jesus actually comes up and says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to? What he was actually saying was, do you want the responsibility that comes with wholeness? Do you want the responsibility that comes with wholeness? With wholeness comes a responsibility. Are you willing to leave what got you on the mat? The people, the culture, the issues, the addictions, and walk in wholeness and accept the responsibility of healing. Because, you know, it's easy to be a victim because you can blame everybody else. It's not my fault. But with wholeness comes responsibility. I was born in Boothful Home for... The un, uh, for unwed mothers on the 26th of February 1964 to a 16-year-old single woman and I was the result of a one-night stand. Many of you know my story. And in the space on my birth certificate where it says father, mine says father unknown. And when I think about this 16-year-old woman who found herself pregnant 
and without hope at a time when that was not socially acceptable, she had every reason not to have me. And she had options. A single 16-year-old woman in 1964, I can't even begin to imagine the fear that she had to go through, the humiliation of being sent away from her family and hidden in shame until I was born, only to leave me at the hospital and be told that they would never speak of it again and it actually never happened. So she had every reason not to have me. She was a very courageous woman and I will forever be grateful that I was given a chance at life. So she left me in that hospital and I was adopted by a, a lovely couple who desperately wanted a family and gave me every opportunity, probably more opportunity than I would have had had I gone home with my birth mother. And they provided for me everything I could want. I was so spoilt. But for reasons stemming from their own past, they found it really difficult to show affection. And that created a void of rejection that developed in me and grew in me over many years. And I can remember thinking at times just how unlovable I must be if my own biological mother could give me away. How unlovable must I be? I mean, babies are cute, aren't they? Everyone loves babies, but not me. Now, I had no understanding of the circumstances and I was in no way mature enough to to um, process what had happened. So I began to seek love and affection in all the wrong places to somehow try and fill that void, the rejection, that unlovable feeling. I wanted to prove to myself that it wasn't true. That was my mat. That was my mat. And when people heard my story, they understood. They understood. How could I ever explain? accept or give real love and I'd not really been shown it. I mean, that's unreasonable, isn't it? How was I ever going to have a family or a marriage that was in any way normal considering my own upbringing? How could I ever stay in one place or, or plant myself in a church where there was the potential of rejection or conflict or, or people just not liking me? How could I, I do that? Look what happened to me. Look what happened to you, people would say. Abandoned rejected, full of hurt, offence. And there's a degree of truth and sympathy to that story. And I can feel you going, but I could have just laid down on my mat, just laid on the mat and stayed down, talking about the pain and the injustice of it all and how unfair life is. And Jesus would still love me. Jesus doesn't love me any more now that I'm healed than he did when I was on my mat. He loves me the same. It's not a question of whether he loves me. It's not an issue of love. It's an issue of fruitfulness. While I'm on the mat, I'm not fruitful. I'm just on the mat. So it's not an issue of love. He'd love me anyway. Staying on the mat would have limited my life limited my capacity, limited my potential, and my fruitfulness would be at stake. You know, the enemy wants you to stay on your mat. He wants you to feel accepted. He wants you to feel okay with being on your mat. He wants you to stay down 
on your mat. Because he doesn't want you to be fruitful. Jesus loves you and he has a plan for your life. But it's to our Father's great glory that we bear much fruit. That's how we glorify God. We bear much fruit. So the attack is on fruitfulness. Bible says in John 15, 8, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So the enemy wants me to stay on my mat, rejected, feeling justified, feeling sad, depressed, hashtag, depressed, hashtag. Wants me to hashtag all my posts with little sad faces and little crying emojis. He wants to keep me on my mat and he wants to keep you on your mat because he's after your fruit. If you know Jesus, he can't get your soul. If you're in Christ, you've been saved, but he can always go after your fruit. So Jesus is saying to the man, do you want the responsibility of wholeness, of fruitfulness, where you will fulfill your potential and your destiny? Is that what you want? Do you want to be made well? All of us can end up on the mat. I mean, that's just one of my issues. I mean, if you had all night, we could talk about some more of my issues. We've all got issues. We all encounter issues regularly. Something can take us out. An offense, bitterness, a hurt, a failure, a disappointment, a discouragement, a disillusionment. I went out with that guy. I thought he was the one. Now I'm just going to go sit on my mat. And I'm just going to be a spinster for the rest of my life because no one loves me. And we end up on the mat. But every time Jesus comes and he says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? It's ongoing for all of us. We're not so healed and so whole this side of eternity that we are above or beyond this. We need Jesus every day. The enemy will give you a hundred reasons a day to stay on your mat. But you have a redeemer, you have a healer who wants you to get off the mat. Do you want to be made well? You would think after 38 years, the guy would have said, Yes! But he didn't. He said, I don't have anyone to put me in the pool. It's not my fault. Nobody helped me. It's not my fault I'm still here 38 years later. Nobody's given me a chance. Everybody gets there before me. It's not my fault. Someone else's fault. It's not my fault. It's not my fault I had this family. It's not my fault I had this experience. This is what just is so ridiculous about this situation. God incarnate is standing here. He says, do you want to be made well? God incarnate, Jesus, standing there. And the guy says, nobody's put me in the pool. It's not fair. Never chosen. Someone's always better. Someone always wins. I never win at anything. Can't even win at Pictionary. Jesus is standing there saying, do you think I might be enough? 
Do you think, here I am, God incarnate, the saviour of the universe, do you want to be made well? And we have the opportunity every week in this place. You hear a message this morning, my husband spoke so well and so articulately on our security, on not being insecure, on finding our security in Jesus. You hear a message that is life-changing every week, yet we can walk away going, yeah, but you don't know my story. You don't understand how that doesn't apply to me. Do you want to be made whole? Or do you want to stay on your mat? How long will you wait? Again, the mat is not an issue of the love of God. It's an issue of fruitfulness and fulfilling your potential on the earth. If I'd stayed on my mat and I had an excuse, I could have stayed on my mat. But Jesus was saying to me, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Do you want a change in your life? Do you want to connect with your eternal destiny and your purpose? Do you want to? Do you want to? I think at some point we have to make what Jesus did for us at Calvary bigger than what anyone has done to us on the earth. I had to get to a place where I made what Jesus did for me bigger than my issues, my rejection. You know, that's not a once-off thing. You know, when I first tried and wanted to encounter healing and change for that rejection I knew was in my life, it wasn't a once-off, thank you, Jesus, I'm healed. I had to work at it because every time I'd encounter it, it would rise up and every time I could feel Jesus say to me, do you want to? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Overcome this. Pick up your mat. Walk away. I had to get to a place where Jesus, what Jesus did for me was bigger than that. That's why his mercies are new every morning. Not just because he's lovely. His mercies are new every morning because we need them every morning. Because every day in this fallen world, you are going to have a choice of whether you stay on your mat or you're going to get up and follow him and walk. And I don't know about you, but I want to live a life on this earth where I bring my father much glory. So I want to unapologetically bear much fruit, which means I want to be healed and I want to be whole. Jesus says to the man, get up, pick up your mat. Here we go. Get up. So you have to get up. And you've got to understand, this man is crippled. So what Jesus is asking him to do is actually impossible for him. He's there for a reason. He's crippled. He says, get up, pick up your mat, roll up your little yoga mat there, pick up your mat and walk. 38 years he's been lying there. And Jesus is asking him to do something that he can't do. And sometimes Jesus is going to ask you to do something that you don't think you can do. You're going to think it's too hard. You're going to think I can't overcome it. You're going to think I've lived like this for years. And you're going to think he's just being mean and unreasonable. But Jesus is saying, I want you to get up, pick up that thing that you've been lying on. Pick up that thing that's caused you to be unfruitful. Pick up that thing that has caused you so much pain, that has held you out of your potential. Pick it up and carry it and realise that it no longer has power over you. Because now it's just a rolled up mat. 
I'm holding it above my head. I'm walking with it because even though it's still with me, it has no power over me. I'm not lying on it anymore. It's not my excuse. It hasn't taken me out. It's just a mat. He had to get up. He had to pick up his mat and he had to begin to walk to see the opportunity and the future open up before him. So tonight, I want to encourage you. What's your issue? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Because sometimes we have to put some action into our steps of faith. Sometimes we've actually got to get up. We've got to roll up our mat and we've got to walk away. Because I believe in all my heart that it was purpose for each and every one of us to live in freedom. That each and every one of us has got a purpose and a destiny to fulfill on this planet. It's not just about us. And I believe with all my heart, some of you have come in here tonight with your mat. And Jesus is saying, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to leave here differently than what you came in tonight? Do you want to walk in freedom? Do you want to fulfill the purpose and the plan and the destiny that I had for your life from the beginning of time? Do you want to go on the adventure that God has for your life? You are not your issue. Your identity is not in your issue, in what was done to you, in what was said about you, in the mistakes that you've made, in the disappointments that you've experienced, in the hurt that you've endured. That is not your identity. So I wonder if you would stand with me tonight because I want to give you an invitation tonight. Some of you are here and as I've talked about the mat and I've shared about my own issue, you know what your mat currently is. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's offence. Maybe you're disappointed or hurt. Maybe you've struggled with things similar that I've struggled with. Maybe there's been breakdown in relationship. Maybe it's a healing thing, but it's kept you on the mat. And more than that, you know it's become who you are. It's limited you. It's made your life smaller rather than larger. And tonight I want to give us an invitation as we stand. We've stood. We've done the first part. Get up. And tonight I want us to pick up a mat, even just in our, in our mind, in our hearts. I want us to pick up that mat. Rejection, shame, health, past, failure, mistakes. Pick it up and let's start to walk. Because Jesus is here tonight saying, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to walk out of here with your rolled up mat going, this has no power over me anymore? Or do you just want to keep lying on your mat? It's your choice. I'm going to pray for us tonight. And I wonder if I do, if that's really spoken to you, if you really feel like, yep, I've got some stuff I just want to leave here. I've got some stuff that I need to just roll up and walk out and have power over tonight. I wonder if you would be brave enough, I'm going to get everyone to close their eyes, to just raise your hand. And it's just so I know who you are and I'm just going to pray. We're all going to pray together that as we leave tonight, we're just going to leave that stuff. We're going to pick it up. We're going to walk out of here. And we're not going to be identified by our issue anymore. We're going to be fruitful. We're going to walk into the purpose and plan of God for our lives. We're going to walk out of here fresh and new. So Lord Jesus, I just thank you tonight. I thank you that we are not our issue. 
I thank you, Lord, that you are enough. And I thank you for this opportunity tonight that you've given us to get up, to pick up our mat and to walk away. I thank you, Lord, for each hand that is raised here tonight for fruitfulness to come into their life as they do this. Purpose, destiny. Lord, I thank you for leaving these things behind. Thank you for freedom. I thank you that you have won this. I thank you, Lord, that that you love us so deeply and so greatly. And that tonight, it doesn't make you love us anymore, but it gives you great joy to see us walk into that purpose and plan and destiny and be released and free from the things that have kept us limited and kept us down. And so, Lord, I thank you tonight for freedom in this place tonight, for chains breaking that have held us down, for, for limitations. I thank you, Lord, for people overcoming offence, just deciding to walk away forgive. Thank you for people being able to rise out of hurt and understand that hurt people hurt people and and not staying there. I thank you for people, Lord, who are sick, that they would be made well. I thank you for people tonight who've got addictions, being able to be free from those in Jesus' name. And Lord, more than anything, I thank you that you love us, that you walk through the crowd, that you find the one. And every day you say to us, do you want to be made well? And your mercies to do that are new every morning. So we're so grateful, Lord, in Jesus' name. And just while we're in that attitude, we just keep our eyes closed and our heads bowed. I want to give you an opportunity. Now, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. And I found myself in an environment like this, invited by a friend one night. I really didn't know much about church or Jesus or, or anything, really. And I came to understand that I was created in the image of God to live in relationship with God and that He had this amazing purpose and plan and destiny for my life that I was able to be free and a lot of the stuff that I talked about tonight and there was an appeal given or an invitation given by the the person who was on the platform I can't remember who it was I can't remember the songs that we sang I can't remember anything about the night but I do remember how I felt in that moment and they said you know if you want that for your life If you want that, if you want relationship with Jesus, if you want to be connected with the eternal plan and purpose and destiny for your life, if you want someone that will walk alongside you, if you want to just have someone who will guide you and be with you and never forsake you, you simply have to raise your hand and accept him. I love the simplicity of the gospel. And so tonight, while everyone's eyes are closed and your head's about, I'm going to give you that opportunity that I had. It was life-changing for me. It set me on a course that I could never have imagined. It gave me a life that I could never have imagined beyond my expectation. So if you're here tonight and you'd like to respond, very simply raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're just going to pray together, all together at the end. If you just raise your hand, yep, I see that. That's awesome. I see those. That's fantastic. Anyone else here tonight? Fantastic. Lord, I just thank you for those tonight who've responded to your word. Lord, I just thank you for coming into their life, for meeting them right where they're at. Lord, for bringing hope, for bringing change, for bringing life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Church, we're going to pray together. This prayer that we pray every week. This is a prayer of commitment. And for those who who raise their hands tonight, this is for you. But we're all going to pray it with you. Are you ready, church? Dear Jesus. I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I will follow you. Amen. Well, that's awesome. 
How good is God? Can we celebrate those people tonight? I'm going to hand over to Matt. He's going to give us some instructions. Thank you. Why don't we give it up for Pastor?